You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking Atlanta Braves with MLB.com's Braves beat reporter, Mark Bowman. Mark, uh, the, the Braves obviously liked Shelby Miller. He was a guy that, that they targeted in a deal with the, with the Cardinals. Um, he kind of fits their profile in some ways. Uh, he's an athletic guy. He's got a big arm. Um, so it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that he's pitching well. But um, did he's a guy who, when he was drafted, I think people thought maybe had number one upside, at least strong two upside. And then that kind of diminished a little bit. Um, did they think they were getting a guy who still had that kind of upside in him, or are they at all surprised by how well things are going right now? I think they, they certainly knew uh, his potential was to elevate to ace-type status, uh, a strong uh, you know, top-of-the-rotation guy. And I, I think I have to credit John Hart with the way he – a couple of times he did this this winter when he acquired players, and he didn't put a, a lot of pressure on them immediately and, and, and come out and directly say exactly what his – ultimate expectations of the guy were. And he, in the case of point with, with Shelby, he just continues to say, hey, look, he has a, he has the potential to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. Kind of described him more as, hey, you know, he's entering the season as a, a number two, number three type guy. You know, the way he finished the season last year, he, he showed the potential to continue to make progress. And what we've seen here through these first eight starts the season is, is a guy who has finally lived up to all those expectations that were present when the, the Cardinals drafted him, a, a guy who has transformed himself by adding a, a the sinker and the cutter uh, to his repertoire. And it just that those two different, or those two additional looks have, have uh, provided him so much success here, dating back to when he, he added the sinker to his repertoire. Uh, I think that was August 23rd last year in Philadelphia. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the sinker, and it's a sort of, uh, it's not an uncommon thing, especially a young guy throws hard, throws a four-seamer, and learns that maybe being able to throw down in the zone against big league hitters is a good thing. I feel like there's been less attention given to the cutter, but he's added that and throwing it a lot as well. Um, How does he use the cutter uh, as part of what he does these days? You know, I I really see the cutter as just that that different look. of you know, here he is. He's throwing 90, 93 mile per hour, or you know, 94 mile per hour, pretty much consistently. Four seamer. He throws the the sinking uh, sinker that's it's registering probably right around 93.5 miles per hour on average. Now all of a sudden he throws the cutter in at 86, 87. Just provides a little bit of a different look um, to him. And, and like you said, he, he's getting some. Some ground balls with that, and jamming some guys. Um, he's still relying, you know, heavily. I, I think the last through the last start, he was basically 34 percent four seam fastball, 33 percent two seamer. Uh, he's continuing to throw the curveball. The cutter just it just adds that extra look. He basically has three fastballs now, and uh, and like I said, the two are so powerful. You're seeing a guy who's throwing. 93-94 consistently with two fastballs that move in different directions. And at the same time, he also has that ability to to really ramp up and, and throw the four-seamer uh, like he did to Stanton on Sunday. He threw him, he had a three-pitch strikeout where he was 97-97-97 and painted 
painted the corners on the first two pitches. He looked at them and, and swung through one that he elevated up the zone uh, with the third pitch there. So it, it, it's impressive stuff. So is the cutter more like a fastball with a little bit of hook on it, or is it more like a, a small slider? Is he one of those guys that can kind of throw both? I, you know what? I really think it may develop into more of the, the slider. I, I think you're uh, – I can't say that he's definitely trying to evolve it into that, but I think that it has more of that type of action for him right now. Um, and so all of a sudden you've got four seamer, boom, sinking, and now you've got the cutter where where you know you've got something coming at you with a little bit of an angle here instead of it. You've got the downward angle, you've got the the straight, and then you've got the. It's not quite the, the slider look, but but I'd, I'd say that it has more of that look to it than, than the hook. And then the other part of this, and, and you did mention that, mention this, is the dude's just throwing strikes. I mean, and it's interesting because coming up through the minors, he was a strike thrower, and then um, his first couple years in the majors, he he walked too many guys. Um, is that a matter of approach? Is he sort of just more confident, more aggressive with his stuff? Is it, it what what goes into a guy kind of refinding that that strike throwing ability? I'm guessing that it has to do with that confidence element that that you. You touched on there. He was a last year. He threw sixty point six percent of his uh, or first pitch strikes to sixty percent of the batters he faced. Now he's closer to sixty five point five percent. He's getting ahead. That's allowing him to to use his other stuff uh, a little. You know, it, it, I guess increasing the value of, of his additional pitches. Um, you know, he, he's not a guy who's going to go out there uh, and strike out ten plus guys. You know. Again, he, he's been getting ground balls consistently. Um, I, I think probably when, when you knew him probably early on, you saw him more as a, a guy, a lot of high fly ball percentage. He's, he's with the sinker. He's, he's getting ground balls. That, that leads to quicker innings, um, and it's allowing him to go deeper into games and uh, just be that much more efficient. Miller is just one part of what is suddenly a very young Braves rotation. And uh, we've talked about Mike Fultonevich. Um, I know absolutely nothing about Williams Perez, except that he has a, a, a name that reminds me of Formula One. Um, and he's young, and he's out of the system. What what made this guy the choice, and what does he offer? Yeah, you know, he, he uh, landed on the radar last year when he had success in double-A Mississippi rotation. He gets added to the 40-man roster Midway through spring training, maybe two weeks into the Grapefruit League season, his stats aren't impressive, but I keep hearing, you know, hey, you know, watch out for him this year. And he goes to Gwinnett, has some success. Shows up last night, and he got out of a couple jams. I showed an effective changeup and curveball um, to go along with his two-seamer. He he relies uh, heavily on that two-seamer. That's his pitch. But to see the swings and misses that he got – uh, with the change-up and curveball, you can see why the Braves are high on him in that starter's role, where he's able to, to you know, use those pitches much more frequently than he did. When we saw him earlier this month. He comes up and makes two relief appearances, and he retired just six of the 14 batters he faced. I, I think that was just a, a, you know, just he wasn't used to the relief role. It didn't suit him best for for his stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who Williams Perez or, or what Williams Perez is going to do. Here the next few outings, uh, you know he, he may 
I, I even question why, whether he would be an upgrade over Eric Stoltz. But what I will say is this. It makes perfect sense to, to keep sending Williams-Perez out there the next few weeks. And then all of a sudden you say, okay, if he's not working, then, then it's time to maybe bring up Matt Whistler or Manny Banuelos. But he, what we're looking at is the Braves have at least seven legitimate candidates for a starting rotation next year with Miller, Tehran, Wood, Fultonevich, Benuelos, Whistler, Perez. Um, and then you've got Terrell Jenkins on the periphery. Maybe, maybe he's not ready at the start of next year. They, they have a definite need for a left fielder. Uh, or let, let me change that, a power hitting outfielder. I do expect them to, to trade one of these pitchers at some point, uh, whether that's in July or this, this winter, uh, to start filling some of their needs. So they need to find out exactly what they have in some of these guys. And, and the, instead of continuing to throw Eric Stoltz out there once every five days, you know, go ahead and, and uh, examine what you have in these guys and figure out who it is you want to keep. How do they kind of cycle through that as the year goes on? Because this team is still kind of on the fringe of contention. There's, there's still not necessarily signs that Washington's going to run away with it. Um, and, and yet it's interesting because suddenly this team really is kind of, I think, what a lot of us wanted to see. We wanted to see this, them. If they're going to do this, then do it. If you're going to get young and, and look at what you got, then do it. And it seems like they're kind of closer to that now with, with the team they're putting out there. How do they sort of cycle through these guys, figure out what they've got, evaluate all these different candidates, while still maintaining uh, a desire to stay at least somewhat in the hunt? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. When I was talking to John Harden, it wasn't just earlier this week. He's mentioned it many times. Hey, look, we want to compete this year, but at the same time, we want to you know, we know that this is the time to figure out what we have for the future. I've heard somebody else say we have one eye on 2015 and, and two eyes, you know, two eyes on 2016 and, and 17. Yes, they want to remain competitive this year. They, 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 they're not going to just go ahead and use this as a, a testing ground all year long with, with, you know, hey, look, let's bring this guy up here. When it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, in other words, they're going, they're not going to rush Matt Whistler up here just, just to get him up here. He's going to have to earn that spot that you see it with Jose Peraza. They're going to continue to be patient with him. Uh, there really hasn't been any need to bring Peraza up yet. Um, but it, it, it is a fine line that they're walking where they're saying, Hey, look, we understand that maybe, even if you can't catch the nationals, maybe you can sneak in and be a wild card team. But at the same time, they, they, are having to look at what they have uh, for the future, especially in this rotation. Um, and, and if you take a step back and say, you know, really how much different would, would Williams Perez or Whistler or Benuelos be than, than uh, Eric Stoltz, it's, it's probably, you know, maybe maybe all of them would be better, maybe, maybe just equal. Um, this is just the time to find out. Um, the, the one guy that's really interesting there is Ben Wallace because he's pitched so effectively at Gwinnett, but because he only threw 76 innings last year coming back from Tommy John surgery, he's basically got 80 innings to play with the rest of this year. And, you know, if you break that down, 14 to 15 more starts. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they bring him up because there's obviously a need for some help in the bullpen, but they, but you want to continue to develop him as a starter because that, that's what you're looking for him uh, to be in the future. So, 
Um, I'm interested to see exactly how they they play with. They I don't think they've made a decision exactly how they're going to do that. You know, do you bring him up here to make a few starts, and then the end of the season, then your bullpen helping you out. It, it's a factor as a reliever down the stretch. Do you you know skip a few starts with Gwinnett so that so that he is available uh, as a potential starter down the stretch for you? Um, you know, the one thing I, I will say about this team is people say, well, where do you think this is heading? I said, look, you know, I, I don't know exactly how successful they're going to be, whether they're going to be a 500 team, whether they're going to creep above that 500 mark and be a uh, you know, wild card team. But this is chapter one and what is shaping up to be a very interesting story. You're, you're going to want to read the rest of this book if you're, you know, or you're going to want to, to follow the remainder of the story. So my suggestion is to, to go ahead and find, keep up uh, tabs here with the uh, the beginning of the story because you know it, it is very interesting where, where this team is heading. I, I do see a lot of uh, promise for the future, and uh, you know I, I do. I have uh, been interested that how many fans have continued to say, "Hey, look, this team is so much more enjoyable to watch than the last few teams." Because I think there is some excitement, not only because they're, they're you know, exceeding some expectations this year, but but people see where they're heading, uh, and they're excited about what you know what, what the future holds for this team. All right, well, Mark Bowman, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.